Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Uh, we're going to take a break from our series on the Sermon on the Mount and just reflect uh, today about thankfulness. And this morning, we want to talk about a thankfulness that changes everything. A, cha- a thankfulness that changes everything. And we're going to be looking at a pretty familiar story of the ten lepers that were healed by Jesus and the one that returned to thank Him. Starting with verse 11. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, He was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell upon his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, Rise. He said to him, Rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. What we see in this text is a thankfulness that changed everything. While we have ten men who received a glorious change of healing, we have one man who through his thankfulness had everything changed. Not just the healing of his body, but the healing of his soul. So first, we want to kind of set the stage here and look at just how miserable it would have been to have been a leper any time, but even more so in biblical times. We want to first look at the ten, the fact that the ten men lived in a wretched condition with this leprosy. First, we see the destruction of the body, the destruction of the body. Uh, Alan Gillen, in his book, The Genesis of Germs, which is just kind of a, a, a biblical look at, at germs and diseases in the Bible, this is what he says about leprosy, uh, this particular type of leprosy that these men would have had in the Scriptures. says its symptoms start in the skin and peripheral nervous system outside the brain and spinal cord, then spread to other parts, such as the hands, the feet, the face, and earlobes. Patients with leprosy experience disfigurement of the skin and bones, twisting of the limbs and curling of the uh, fingers to form the characteristics of a claw hand. Facial changes include a thickening of the outer ear and a collapsing of the nose. Tumor-like growths called lepromas May, uh, may form on the skin and in the respiratory tract, and the optic nerve may deteriorate. The largest number of deformities develop from loss of pain sensation due to extensive nerve damage. For instance, inattentive patients can pick up 
a cup of boiling water without flinching. And so not only were they deteriorating, uh, they, because of the lack of feeling, they would actually hurt themselves. And, and it was a horrible, horrible condition. And, and one of the big things is it doesn't really uh, attach or attack the things that are vital, like the heart and stuff. And so to, to, to have leprosy, it was a prolonged, prolonged condition uh, that you would have to live with this leprosy. And so we see the destruction of their body, but also the destruction of their social life, the destruction of your social life. Not only was your body attacked, every aspect of your social being was attacked. You had a horrible and contagious disease. Horrible, just visibly wretched and horrible that was contagious. And so no one wanted to be around you. That's why we, sit, we hear about leper colony. Because they just kind of had to go and do life on their own and just all go be miserable together. In fact, what do we say even now? What do we say when we feel like we're being just absolutely ostracized by someone or a group of people? What do we say? We say, they are treating me like a leper. And so you are withdrawn from society. And, and can you imagine though, not just society ostracizing you, but maybe you even, even having to take yourself away from the loved ones that you care about. I mean, I mean think about that, that you, you're a father or you're a mother and you come down with leprosy and you don't want to give your children this disease. You don't want to give your spouse this disease. So you have to withdraw yourself to keep that disease away from them. Even when the leper would venture into civilization, they were often made to scream, unclean. My son once, he had some fever and we were having a birthday party, uh, I think for Haven, and my aunts were coming over and I just joked with him and I said, now, you just got to scream unclean if anyone comes around. And so they got out of the cars and Gabe started going, unclean, unclean. And of course, my aunts thought that was hilarious, but it wasn't hilarious for, for the leper because that's how they lived. If anyone got close to them on the street, unclean, unclean, stay away from me or you'll get sick too. What a horrible, horrible way to live. And also the destruction of your rep- reputation. The idea was not, you know, in our day, we, we don't, when someone comes down with cancer or some type of disease, our first thought isn't, what did you do? What sin did you commit? We know, I mean, that's what happened to Job, right? So like his friends come, they're supposed to be his friends and say, Job, what is it? What are you not showing us? What are you hiding? What sin do you have in your life? And this would be, uh, people's view in biblical times would have been, what did you do to deserve a horrible disease you must have committed a whopper of a sin and so you were not just ostracized as unhealthy you were ostracized as sinful and just cast aside and i think leprosy is common in the biblical narrative because it's such a a fitting picture of sin is it not sin has corrupted our soul and caused caused it to rot away within us it deadens us to make us hurt ourselves 
It causes us to cast aside and to be alienated by others. And most of all, to be alienated by God from God Himself. So let's now look specifically at these ten men. The first thing I want you to notice is that the ten men found healing for their health. The ten men found healing for their health. All ten men acknowledged the authority of Jesus. They called to Him in the Scriptures, they say, Jesus, Master. Now this is the only time that a non-disciple ever gives that title to Jesus. It was a big deal. It was a big title. And so they were all ten acknowledging this is a man who maybe can do something about our disease. Jesus' reputation had preceded him. And, and so they thought that we hear about this man and he heals. And so maybe he can heal this disease that we have. And all ten men, they begged for mercy from Jesus. Can it be any more desperate than the situation they were in as we've already looked at what it was like to be a leper, to have been cast aside from society while enduring terrible sickness? They were at rock bottom, and from rock bottom they cried out for mercy from Jesus. There was no cure. There was no hope as a leper. And so in that desperation, they called, they took a, a chance, if you will, and they thought, well, we've heard about this man, so maybe he can do something to change our predicament. I can't help but notice how it says that they stood at a distance. That was their life, keeping the distance. To, and, and so with Jesus, they didn't want to, they, 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 they wanted to keep the law and keep what was was needed to happen and so they they kept a distance between him and over that distance they said will you have mercy on us please and i can't help but think of the picture there of salvation right i mean the leper is there's no way he can deny his sickness i mean it's all over him so there was no way to hide that sickness and they, they knew, they realized that they were sick and they needed help. And I think about a lost sinner who is, who is sick with sin. When we come to the, the realization that we are sinful, that we, we are sick with sin. And we know that there's a distance that, that we have between us and the Holy God, and all that we could do is scream, have mercy on me. What a great picture of our need of Christ and our, the gulf that's fixed between us. And over that distance of sin and rebellion, we scream, have mercy on us. And Jesus does. We also see that all ten men obeyed Jesus. Now, this will will not be uh, this this will not be Jesus's first leper healing. 
Back in Luke 5, 12, one leper came to him, and Jesus actually, for this leper, he reached out and he touched him and he healed him. It was a done deal. But for his purposes, with these ten lepers, in this instance, he gave them a command to follow. He told them, go and show yourself to the priest. Go and show yourself to the priest. Now, what is likely at play here is a, a ritual of being declared clean. So this wasn't like a go to the priest, show yourself, and, uh, and then, then, then you'll be healed. It was more of a, hey, go, go start the ritual of cleansing. And it, it, it took eight days for a priest to declare someone that's been sick to declare them healthy. So it was a call to obedience to the law And I really believe that most of these lepers were Jews. They all obeyed. They did exactly what Christ had commanded them to do. They all say, okay, let's go do this. And so they all ten leave to go to the temple, to go to the priest. And we see that all ten men were healed. As they went, suddenly everything began to, to change. I don't know if, if it was just as they, as they headed towards the priest, you know, with each step, maybe they got a little more, um, a little more better, a little better, a little more healed, a little more like themselves. Or I don't know if just at some point between there and the priest, just boom, everything changed and they were suddenly absolutely healed. I kind of just imagine they were walking along and saying, is this going to work? I, I don't know. Let's, let's go to the priest. Let's see what's going to happen here. I, I, and, and then they look and, and they begin to look at each other's face and suddenly they don't see the horrid faces that they had known for so long. They begin to see their friend. They begin to see their friend's actual face. And they look over and they see their other friend's actual face and and, and, and so then they're like, what, what's happening to me? And so they look at their arms and they begin to say that they've been made whole again. And they begin to rejoice at what is happening, what has happened to them. Imagine the joy in that moment. Imagine the joy of having this wretched disease. And just in a moment, you are healed. You're made whole again. But something fascinating happens in the next moment because while at this point these ten men have op- operated in absolutely absolute harmony, one of them breaks off and does something totally different. It seems to me that the rest of the men, they head on to the priest to begin the cleansing ritual, to begin to have themselves declared clean so they can go back to their families, they can go back into society. But one man made a detour back to Jesus. The one man found salvation for his soul. Look at verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving Him thanks. Now, 
He was a Samaritan. First thing I want you to notice about the one man is that the nine continued according to the law. But the one wanted to go back and acknowledge the lawgiver. I cannot prove this from Scripture, but it seems to me that most, if not all of the other nine, possibly, of these lepers were Jews. It seems that there was a mix, at least a mixture of Jews and Samaritans. I get this from the fact that Jesus responds by making a big deal about the foreigner who came back. So that leads me to believe that among these ten were maybe nine actual traditional Jews and maybe one Samaritan. Or, 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 but there was at least a mixture here of Jews and Samaritans because Jesus makes a big deal. This foreigner, this foreigner came back to thank me. I doubt any of them were indifferent about Jesus at this point. I would imagine that they will, for the rest of their lives, tell people of the healing that they received from this wonderful, amazing man called Jesus. I don't think it was necessarily a slight. I don't think they were just ungrateful and hey forget about jesus i'm going to the priest i don't believe that that was their attitude maybe it was we don't have a clear indication from scripture their motivation but we do know this is that jesus had told them to go to the priest and that is what they were going to do but the one leper made a detour back to jesus with an incredible outpouring of thankful emotion i don't know that i would necessarily say that the nine did something sinful jesus didn't say come back and thank me that wasn't his instruction he told them go to the priest so i don't know that it was the nine doing something absolutely sinful as much as it was the one doing something incredibly special He went beyond just simple obedience to the commands of Jesus. He went beyond just simple obedience and he said, I want to go back and know this man. I got to go back. And and maybe his attitude was, I'll get to the priest in a minute, but right now I've got to run back and see Jesus because of what he just did for me. There's something back there that that I've never seen and I need to know it more. And I think this is an important word as as we have taken a break uh, today from the Sermon on the Mount for for this Thanksgiving message. As we have talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, I mean the Sermon on the Mount are hard, hard commands that Jesus gave us. Very, very possibly the hardest commands in all of Scripture. And it would be so easy for us just to get caught up in obey, 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 obey the Sermon on the Mount, obey what's being said. Do it, do it, do it. 
However, if we do not constantly circle back to Jesus, if we do not constantly circle back to the lawgiver, the one that commands us, we will fail in being obedient eventually. Commands can never ultimately be separated from the command giver. If we separate the commands from the giver, man, we're in trouble. Because who cares about commands if we don't know the one that's commanding us? Eventually you're going to say, who cares? This stuff's hard to do. It's hard to love my enemies. It's hard to be kind to those who are mean and, and ugly to me. Who cares about these commands? But if you make Jesus the focus, if you always keep circling back in your obedience back to Jesus, falling at His feet, acknowledging Him, then you'll love, you'll find joy in keeping His commands. The commands are given that we might be dependent on the command giver. Obedience to the law cannot save us because we cannot be obedient to the law. This is the very reason why the lawgiver took on flesh. He offered the obedience to God that we could never do. Romans 8.3 says, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, and so He condemned sin in the flesh we must as the one man did here as the one leper or former leper did here we must elevate the person of Jesus above just simply obeying Jesus it is only through loving the lawgiver and finding our strength in the lawgiver that we can ever live in obedience to his commands. We also see here that the nine simply enjoyed the gift, but the one wanted the gift giver. While we only while we only see the outward joy of the one here, there was no doubt joy in the other nine. They were, I mean, they were healed of a horrible disease, so surely their hearts were happy at what had happened. How could they not be? But the one leper was not content, content with just enjoying the gift. He wanted to circle back and worship the giver with a thankful heart. He turned back praising God with a, with a loud voice. And one of the things that leprosy can do is it can attack the, the uh, vocal cords. So I wonder if maybe he, his voice for a long time had been weak and people could barely hear, hear him. And suddenly in this moment, as he's restored, this, this, this is the first thing out of his lips, out of his vocal cords, is praise to Jesus who had healed him. Maybe you're here 
And despite the good gifts of God you, that have come into your life, you've never actually circled back to know Jesus. To know the One who gave you life and caused you to be born on this earth. You would, you would admit that, man, I, I, I believe He's out there. I believe there's a God out there and I believe He gives me breath and I enjoy His gifts, but have you circled back to Christ and fell on your face before Him, thanking Him for what He has done for you? It's not enough just to enjoy the gifts of God. It's about acknowledging the gift giver and knowing the gift giver. And we see here that the nine received healing for their bodies, but the one also received salvation for his soul. It says, Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. When Jesus says here, your faith has made you well, I believe there's much more in play than just the healing of the leprosy. We see that he uses a different word for healing than what he did in verse 14, 15, which are obvious references to the leprosy. There's a different word here that could also be, that's not just used for healing, physical healing in the Scriptures, it's used salvifically. So it's used as saying, saved, your life is saved, or, or God has saved you. And so this could also be translated, and some translations do translate this, your faith has saved you. So because of the one leper's return to Jesus, he receives something greater than the restoring of his body he receives the salvation of his soul we know that this one man was a samaritan and i wonder as jesus seems to make a big point of this i wonder if maybe maybe he was just the one samaritan among the nine jews So he was doubly an outsider. He was an outsider because of leprosy, but long before that, he was an outsider because of being a Samaritan. I often wonder uh, about this text. I wonder if maybe he just knew, man, I can't go into the temple. I can't show myself to the priest. I'm, I'm a Samaritan. And so he said, I've got to go back to Jesus. I've got to go back to the source of where all this happened. And so that's exactly what he did. For whatever reason, this one man felt Jesus had something bigger left to give him than just a simple healing of leprosy. And he found that he was right because he found salvation. In conclusion, let's talk. 
First, I want to talk to you as Christians. Some you who would say, hey, I know Jesus. Jesus is mine and I am His. I've had that moment where I've gone to the lawgiver and the gift giver and I've laid at His feet and I've begged of His mercy and I've received that. But how often in your Christian life do you enjoy the gifts of God without very often stopping to trace it back to the gift giver? How often do you get caught up in the motions of obedience and forget how to oftentimes that you need to just lay at the feet of the King? To lay at Jesus' feet, acknowledging His greatness and His glory. Instead of just running around in obedience and just forgetting He's there. He wants your obedience, don't get me wrong. He's commanded and He expects you to obey. But you'll never be successful in obeying Him until you're regularly coming back to Him and acknowledging His greatness. Because the fact is, is that Christ has done for us nothing less than what He did for these lepers. Our sin had brought death to our soul. Our sin and rebellion had cast us outside of the promises of God. But as Psalm 103, it says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget, uh, forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with the good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So this Thursday, and not just this Thursday, but every day of your life, Circle back and lay at the feet of Jesus, the great lawgiver, the great gift giver. It's about Him. And just acknowledge what He's done for you, that He's cleansed you of the sickness of sin. That there is no longer any condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. How can we not wake up every morning with a smile on our face, acknowledging what He's done for us. I would also speak to those who are not sure that that's ever happened in your life. Not sure that you've ever really laid at the foot of Christ begging for His mercy and receiving it from Him. There's no doubt that some here are like the nine. You've been in the proximity of Jesus. You would even readily admit that you've received benefits from God. He has, you have benefited from God's existence. You would even say, you know, I've even tried, you know, I know enough about the Bible that I've really tried to live pretty good. These nine lepers came to Him. They received His benefits. They 
even went off in obedience to Him. But He was at a distance from him, from them. Unlike the one who fell at His feet and received salvation. Now, we don't know what happened to the other nine. I mean, I'd like to think that, that after they got their cleansing out of the temple, they came back one by one acknowledging Jesus. I mean, I feel like most of us would like be this guy's biggest fan if he healed us. So I would like to think that they all came back and they received something much more than the healing of a disease. But we don't know any of that for sure. We just know about the one. And so I would say to you that if you would say, you know, I think I'm one of these people. I've been around Jesus some. I've benefited from Him some. I've obeyed Him some. But I've never thrown myself at His mercy. I've never fell at His feet and made Him the Lord of my life. You can, like this one, know that you know God. To know that you belong to Him, that He belongs to you. If you would simply believe, believe that He died on the cross for you, not just that He died, existed and lived and died, but that He, he, he existed and lived and died for your sins. And that you would put your faith and quit trusting in, in, in all the things that you're trusting in for salvation and just cast yourself upon Him and Him alone. You can be saved this morning. You can enjoy your first Thanksgiving as someone who knows the giver of all things. As our musicians come to close us out this morning, I'm going to be right here if that's you this morning, I'd love to talk to you. Maybe you need to, uh, you need to pray and, and as a Christian and, and ask God to give you a great week this week of meditation, of falling at the feet of Jesus that would maybe springboard you to where you're doing that every day. However God's spoken to you, I would ask that you would please stand and we'll pray and then we'll sing and be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank You that You are the gift giver, that You are the commander. God, help us to be obedient. Help us to enjoy the gifts that You've given. But God, more than anything, help us to fall at the feet of Jesus daily. God, if there be someone here who's never done that, who's never fallen at the feet of Jesus, never cried for mercy and know that, known that they've received it. God, I pray that they would talk to me this morning. And God, I pray for us as Christians that we would daily have hearts of thankfulness for what You have done in the Gospel. God, move in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.